Broadcasting live, this is KMA Talk Radio, life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. With your hosts, Honest Abe and Adam K. the Brewmeister. Listen to the show anywhere in the free world at kmatalkradio.com. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill, like John Good morning to all our loyal listeners out there in KMA land. Honest Abe here, broadcasting from West Palm Beach, Florida, along with my sidekick, the best we can afford, our producer, Paul DeGracco, who I believe is live from Boston today. I'm technically outside of Boston, so I'm in uh, Whitensville, Boston, uh, which is, I guess, technically closer to Worcester, which I like saying. Worcester, I've, I've been speaking in a, in a Massachusetts accent since we drove up here. All right, let's get in the car and go to Worcester. No, you okay. don't like that? Right, I don't Worcester. know. <laughs> is, that is that your thespian talents kicking in? Is that what that is? You know, I, whatever you want to call it. I just, uh, I just like it up here. It's freezing, by the way. It's like 50, 53 degrees. Already? It's cold. in September. Yeah, it's cool. It's supposed to get back up to like 80 today, but the mornings are cool here, man. It's something else. Um, we're not used to it. The kids, the kids are a little confused by it, to be honest. And, and what are you doing up there now? We have friends that um, that bought a, a just bought their first house up here, and uh, very good friends. And um, we needed to get away, you know. Living in my mother-in-law's house and my parents' house uh, for the last couple months has been, uh, needless to say, a little bit difficult and stressful. Really? I figured with all the extra hands and help, you might have enjoyed it. Uh, I, you know, I don't know how to explain, Abe. It's been, um, it's been, it's, it's wonderful. It's great to have the help. It's great to have the kids with their grandparents. But, you know, sometimes you need a little bit of a break. And we should have left a month ago. And we didn't, so. <laughs> now, now when, when, when is it you're coming back now? End of September. Because now we're waiting for my wife's sister's uh, bridal shower to happen. So once that is done so that we don't have to fly back up, then we're not going to come back here till the holidays. But you know, we, Thanksgiving's right around the corner. No, Thanksgiving, we don't come up here. Thanksgiving, <laughs> we, we usually go up to South Carolina for Thanksgiving if, if we go anywhere. Why? What's in South Carolina? That's where her dad lives. So we usually uh, drive to his house. It's only about a six-hour drive. So we may go there, or we may just do Thanksgiving at home. I, I'm not opposed to, to doing it at home, you know? So that's what happens when you keep having more kids. You have just enough of a family. You really don't need to go anywhere to have Thanksgiving. Is that the deal? Like, do you, did you, do you not go away for the holidays at all? Uh, seldom. Seldom. I mean, you know, look, I mean, we do, you know, we'll do sometimes Thanksgiving in our house and invite people over. But, you know, I mean, if you throw in one or two of Brandy's siblings, or we got 10 people around the table. So, I mean, it's like, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like a self party all the time. But, um, no, we, we've, we've driven and, and, and gone out of town for Thanksgiving. But for the most part, you know, we, we like having the holidays at home. 
Well, you have a big enough family where it's a, it's a, it's a party, like you're saying, anytime. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah. So yeah. start popping out a couple more kids and you'll be right there. Dude, uh, doing all this traveling with them and being in different houses and whatnot, like it is the best form of birth control I could ever have. <laughs> you're, so, <laughs> you're so full of it, dude. I see all your posts on Facebook. It's dude. wonderful. I love my children. I think it's the greatest thing I've ever done. It's probably like you say, like it's probably my greatest accomplishment with all the screw ups I've had in my life. And you haven't accomplished that, anything yet. They're still toddlers. I, I'm saying I've accomplished. They're, they're <laughs> human. They're alive. They're still here. They, well, they made gotta, it this far. You gotta mold them still. You gotta make you know help them become who who, who they're you know what all they can be in life. Their mother will work on that. That's I'm just right. here to you know provide. <laughs> 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 what about you? What's going down going on down there in Florida? Every time I check the weather in in our area where we live, I see that it's like 80 percent humidity and like 88 degrees at night. You know, I have no hair, so humidity doesn't really phase me. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I can't. You know, I, I, I'm become immune to really humidity. I don't know when the humidity is high or low, but um, crazily enough, right? Kids had their first week of school this week, virtual, right? Wow. Oh, they're completely okay. virtual. Do they go in sometimes? No, no. It, well, hello. You're obviously not watching the news. So, so listen to this. So they decided they were going to start school this week. Kids finished the first week of school. Completely okay. virtual, right? Now, my wife, knowing that this was going to happen weeks before, you know, was dedicating now to making like a house classroom for the kids. Okay. Oh boy. We had to go buy a new computer for one of them because they all need to be on computers at different times at the same time. Which is I something mean. that you were kind of right? Didn't they all just share one iPad and one computer and stuff? Yeah, we were. We're not really a technology house, so you right. know, they, they don't. They, we had a communal iPad and a communal computer for them when they needed it. So now each kid has their own computer, and, and they use uh, Brandy's laptop. So we got three desktop computers and a laptop in the house now. Brandy went out and bought these bookcases for them to keep their stuff. I mean, like, literally, like, made a classroom at home. Oh, man. And then they announced two days ago they're opening the schools back up next week. <laughs> that is awesome. Fully though, like they're they're going back full time. Kids are going back to school. Wow. Okay, that's now, different I, than I, up, that's different than up north. They're only doing read, two days a week in in the school. I, I read the article. None of this ever makes sense. I read the article and it said the fourteenth, but then somebody told me the fourteenth is only going to be um, certain kids. I think special needs kids and stuff like that, and then uh, okay. the twenty first. The 25, I, I haven't confirmed that. I just heard this yesterday, but I definitely read the article. It said that they'll be opening up the schools back on the 14th, but I think that uh, it's going to be uh, all student wide by the 21st. So all that prepping for like two weeks of virtual school. Well, I mean, listen, I'm sure your wife had fun doing it. No, she didn't. No, no. <laughs> She was making bookshelves using drills at two, three in the morning, and oh yeah, it was fun. Why? That's see now I'm I'm confused as why they would as to why they wouldn't want to do what they're doing up here, where they go in like Tuesday, Thursday, let's say, and then there's cleaning in between days and stuff like that. Like, do you think that that's stupid? I, I don't know. I really don't know. 
I, 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 what I do know is, is when they do it, there's going to be people who will get it in cases, which look, as long as my, my constant opinion, as long as the death rate ain't going ballistic and people are dropping dead, right? Like left right. and right. It's okay for people to get it. That's what the human race is supposed to do. Right. You um, just want to keep certain people away right. from it, I like got the high risk people. But I got a, but I got a feeling <laughs> that they're going to close everything back up again. And well, they already went backwards once and, in Florida, which well, is why we didn't and, originally come back. And conveniently, I think it's going to happen right before the election. <laughs> right? It's, my, it's my, my father-in-law, my it's father-in-law keeps telling now. me that. Look, they won't open tons of stuff. I, you know, I was on the local. I don't know if you saw it. I was on the local news, CBS News. Yeah, oh, I saw it. I saw it. Um, they're they're opening up select businesses, telling bars they can't open up. Cigar shops right now are slated to open up in December. Oh my god! <laughs> because we're the problem, right? Not yeah. the not, <laughs> not the 100% capacity gyms, you know. Not the comedy clubs that are going to be allowed to open. Not all this other crap. We're the we're the problem, right? So, um, and now there's but now they're throwing every little German infested kid out in school and school buses and getting them all out there. <sighs> so. So, you know, my point is not about being safety. I, I mean, I believe you have to mitigate the risk. But the rationale and reasoning is very arbitrary, and they're just dictating what they want to do, how they want to do it, with really no root benefit to the cause. Right. You know, and that's the problem. So um, I totally think that, you know, kids going back to school will be just enough time for another major spike, you know, because, you know, things are settled as far as I'm concerned here in Florida. You know, everybody I know is going around their daily life. I don't hear any, any cases coming up or nothing. I mean, I, I don't listen to the news. Yeah, because right? if you look at the news, the, the cases have I leveled. At, yeah, I, 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 they've been lying and wrong from day one. So that's a fact. Anybody who doesn't believe that lives in a bubble. But I look at my daily life and the people around me. I look at all the people I know locally and all the people they know locally and whatever, and things have leveled off and, you know, Every time things seem to level off, they find a way to uh, make crap happen again. So I think throwing kids in school would be just enough time to close things down again right before November. <laughs> My father-in-law's uh, insistent that there'll be a cure, like a complete cure, not just a uh, not just a vaccine on November fourth, or just just before November fourth. And what makes him feel that way? What makes him feel he like, just think oh, like, it's the election, he means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look, this is what I've said. You know, I don't know if there'll be a cure or a vaccine or anything medical come November, but I have a feeling you'll see a lot less media coverage after November 4th. Because that's, I agree. What's, dri I agree. that's what's driving a lot of the problems. I mean, I've been on the phone with Florida officials who basically said over the phone, this is all a media play. It's all optics. You know, we, we, we don't have control. We can't do that. If it was up to us, we'd open up the whole damn state already. You know? So I think after November, you'll see a lot less media coverage. Let me ask which, you a question. The vaccine satiate, comes out. Which will satiate the, you know, anxiety and things will just go back on to normal with people getting sick and nobody knowing about it. Not making the front page news every time somebody gets a cold. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. The vaccine comes out. Anybody in your family get it? Um, Not right away. I, uh, I I think my wife's stance is she's going to wait a year. Uh -huh. Make sure nobody's uh -huh. ears. Uh -huh. 
falling off or my wife knows a lot of medical people in the medical field and a lot of them have said they won't get it right away so i'm not gonna you know. get it they told people they told pregnant women that the little mide was fine for years and look what happened to half of those kids Look, I mean, I, you know, look, you know, which, 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 you know, makes, look, the vaccine is good because of all the people who believe in a vaccine and feel those safe, they go get it. Then there's less people freaking out and worried about the thing because the ones that won't take the vaccine are the people who really aren't worried about it. Right. Exactly. They're probably not the ones at risk anyway. Would you, so. Or just not worried about it. So they're not the ones that are going to be pushing for closing or paranoia. So. A vaccine, in my opinion, will still help greatly because everyone who's really got this deep concern thinks the whole country should shut down or will jump on the bus and take it right away. And then their feels will be alleviated. Do you get a flu shot? I've never had a flu shot in my life. We got flu shots for the first time when we had the kids because the doctors suggested that even if we don't get the flu shot and we won't get it, even if we don't get it moving forward, that the... The flu shot is good when you have an infant to to mitigate the risk of the infant getting the flu. We did it, but I've never gotten a flu shot my whole life. I've had the flu twice in my life. So I, it really wasn't a – I was more concerned. I'd be more concerned if I was still living in New York commuting into Manhattan every day with getting the flu because uh, that's always where I got sick, on the on the subway or on the train going into Manhattan. I'm always I'm convinced I, that, that that is where I got sick every single year from it was, it was from being around those men, that many people and in that confined space i don't have a thing against the flu shot i just don't think i ever thought about getting it you well, know getting I mean, up there now maybe you might need yeah it. maybe as i get older my opinion will change but i mean i just never yeah. thought about getting it i don't think i ever have it although my wife swears i had it once but oh really she's saying you do okay she said i had it one no no not, not the flu shot the flu oh had the flu oh okay yeah you would know I if you had the flu uh, look, I don't argue with my wife anymore. That's a losing proposition every time. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she swears I had it once. The whole family had it once. I, I don't remember having it. I remember having pneumonia once in my life in my early twenties. Um, I got hospitalized, but that, that was about the only time I can even remember being sick. Really, yeah. It, it hits you. You know, if you have it, there's not a question. If you're questioning whether or not you have the flu, you probably don't have the flu. Um, so. We have uh, some really cool guests on today. That first time, I, I'm really I love when we about. have. I love when we have first time guests on KMA. Um, so a lot of people know of these guys, but not all, not people, not many of our listeners, especially even the industry guys that listen to us, may even know the faces behind this company, right? I mean, this is kind of a company with a with one of the longest histories in this industry, right, Abe? huge and and honestly it, they get mistaken a lot so a lot of times when i have to kind of have conversation i have to clarify sometimes you know who i'm talking about right so differentiation you know, yeah so, so you know the, the the oliva tobacco family not the cigar family not the oliva cigar family or as some people like to say olivia i get that all the time olivia olivia, olivia really olivia cigars it, it, they always throw an eye in there and it's really funny and somebody typed it once to me in a message, I said, you mean Oliva? He goes, autocorrect. I found that funny because like everybody says Olivia all the time. But they've been supplying tobacco to some of the world's most prestigious cigars um, for, for uh, decades. 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 For, for a you, really long time. Do you have a sound bite for a, your maker or no? I don't. <laughs> <You> <laughs> <use that laughs> for 
I only have the insane aside. But that's going to change, by the way. Just so all of our listeners know, our production is coming back. We're just waiting. Listen, I we love Colin. I love Colin. But first, he didn't need anything. Now he might need some things. He's like, I have everything ready to go. I'm ready to go this next week. That was two weeks ago. So he doesn't have everything he needs. He's got a home Paul, setup that he's putting Paul, together. I don't. I don't blame anybody but you. Okay, that's fine. So anyway, I, I talked to him. You, I already told you two weeks ago, find out what he needs and just get it for him. Why are you waiting to see if he has what he needs? I'm going to share, I'm gonna I wanna share use, the text. I wanna our equipment. I'm going to share the text messages with you. I get Colin back on the show. It should be, we should be ready to go next week, I think. Uh, any, <laughs> list, any of our viewers would like to take an over and under bet? I'm going to call heads next week. I'm willing to t- I'm willing to cover all your bets, every single one out there. So with that said, I want to introduce uh, John Oliva Sr. and John Oliva Jr. from Oliva Tobacco. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Hi. Now, are you guys broadcasting from your offices in Tampa? Yes. Nice. Nice. So, So, guys, tell us a little bit about your family history. I mean, you guys have really a... A long history in the cigar industry. Tell us, tell us how it started. Get our listeners a little acquainted with your family and how you guys got to where you are today. Well, uh, uh, my dad uh, started this company back in 1934. Uh, he came over from Cuba in 1925 when he was 18. Uh, worked for a guy named Johnson Tobacco, and then uh, uh, started his own company back in October of 1934, and brought. Uh, my uh, two uncles and eventually the whole family over here to get them uh, uh, get them out of Cuba. Left left Cuba because there was no future for for him to uh, to to progress there uh, with with all the situation that was there. So we started in Ebor City and uh, got connected with uh, some uh, brokerage people. Got involved in uh, in uh, supplying tobacco strictly from Cuba since he was familiar with all the farms. My grandfather was the superintendent in about, um, I would say, probably around five or six farms. Each one of the kids were born on different farms there in Pinar del Rio. My dad wow. happened. Well, yeah. Yeah. So it was depending on where the old man was. There was uh, 11 brothers and sisters. <laughs> <laughs> so. now, now, Senior, now uh, we're talking about your father, Angel Oliva. Now, was, was Ybor City a cigar mecca like it is today back then? Or was it... It's, was it already developed, or was it just starting to become it? No, no, it was already developed. There were there were appro- there were approximately uh, just under fifty cigar factories in this city, including some in West Tampa and Ebor wow. City and and everything else. So I mean, it was it was uh, it wasn't uh, it was the right place to be. Now your dad yeah. left home at a really young age, correct? Yeah, well, he left home at twelve. Uh, oh, wow. Actually, yeah, but I mean, he left. He left. Uh, you know, there, there was a food shortage there. So I mean, you know, when you're feeding eleven kids, and you, and uh, so he left home and uh, went to work with uh, went went at, uh, with uh, his brother, one of his brother-in-laws, uh, in a hardware store where he where he where he stayed for uh, for about uh, two years, saving his money, and then uh, he had to give it up for a surgery for one of his older brothers. Uh, I wouldn't say he gave it up voluntarily, although I'm sure he would have, but. Uh, uh, then finally, he he uh, he started uh, when he got out of there. He he started fooling around in the tobacco within within the uh, country. Uh, met my grandfather, my mother's father, uh, who sponsored him coming over here. So 
he came over here when uh, when 1925 uh, with uh, with uh, no job in the tobacco thing. As actually, his his first job was a uh, short order cook uh, at a uh, hotel in uh, Ebor City, about a uh, half a block from where we are, called the uh, Alastra Hotel, uh, wow. where the first floor was a restaurant, uh, the uh, second floor was a brothel, and the third floor was uh, where you slept. So <laughs> he he worked, <laughs> worked that for a few years. He started selling. And that's where he found his niche. Now, I want to... 1934. Sorry, I just want to clarify real quick because I'm seeing some of the chatter, okay? Um, you guys are the Oliva Tobacco family. No relation to the Oliva Cigar Company, the cigar family, no, right? And, and, and there are guys right now talking about Oliva Cigars. So I want all our listeners out there to know, I know, I know Senior and Junior is the first time on our show. This is the Oliva Tobacco family out of Tampa. They've worked behind the scenes and had factories and then have dealt with tobacco with some of probably tons of brands that you guys enjoy on a regular basis. So just well, wanted one to clear. One of their taglines on their, on their website, which they're redoing, is kind of like, if you've smoked a, a premium cigar from this industry, you've, you've probably had our tobacco. So yeah. you don't know that you're smoking our tobacco, but you are. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. So, I mean, because I, I was going to say you're not manufacturers, but you guys kind of are, but we'll get into that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll that's get new. In, we'll get into that. Um, but I want to still talk about, I want to talk about, just, and yeah. Abe, stop me if you want me to, but I want to no, talk no, no. about how, how Senior got involved <laughs> with the company because – Senior, I, you know, doing a lot of research on you and speaking to you the other day, you know, you you didn't want to be a part of of the family business, and and I guess your dad very much tried to to make you a part of the business or get you into the business. Why you were in computers at at some point when you when you were starting to work? Yeah, we had my had we had our own computer company actually. My my um I, I went to florida i went i went i went from high school and the university of florida studied engineering and uh, uh started in chemical and and first semester changed over to industrial and that back then was the uh that was the computer as uh, stage of the of the game so and uh yeah he uh he he but i worked with him uh, uh i worked with him during uh during that uh, during those years because uh, graduated in '66, and the Cuban situation. Uh, uh, we started making Candela tobacco here in, in in the states, and so we I got involved w with him in summers and stuff like that. And uh, no, at that one point he uh, he he said, if if you're not interested, my brother's an architect. Uh, he was an architect. I'm an engineer. He says, if y'all aren't interested, I'm going to sell the business. And uh, and you know he 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 staged it, and then they bought. Our business, a company out of Houston, Texas, called Computer Complex, bought us because we were the only franchise. We were the most successful franchise they had because we had we had Martin Marietta, which means we had NASA as our customer. So, oh so wow, they, they bought. Yeah, yeah. So we, we so when you yeah, say so, your dad said he was going to sell the company, this was completely made up, correct? Like he said that he needed you to help him sell the company or help him set up for sale. Well, it wasn't completely made up. We had a we had a, a deadly interest. They even came down here uh, to look look uh, to look at it. 
but I don't think he really wanted to do this. I think he, uh, okay. when, it was a ruse. Yeah, I think it was a ruse. Yeah, but he was very smart about it. Oh, fourth guy with a fourth grade education, man. And I'm going to tell you what, I, uh, as far as we're concerned, the son of a gun should have had a PhD in psychology. Okay. They, anyway, he, he said, if you're not, if you're not coming, uh, we're going to sell this thing out. And, uh, so I took about a $25,000 a year pay cut, which was a lot back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. But I did the right thing. Okay. I, I really did the right thing. He was, he was right, and uh, and I'm, I don't regret that at all. What I, was had, it? I had a chance. I had a chance to spend the time with a guy. I got Trump in the world that I respect more than him. What was it like working with your dad? Because I I worked with my dad for years until tough. I finally moved to Florida. Tough. Yeah, it tough. is tough, right? Yeah, tough. Okay, it was it was uh, yeah it was very tough. I mean you you know. But he listened with, with, to any kind of ideas we had. Uh, he was a very progressive guy for his at for his uh, at his time. Uh, we got our business. Uh, I think we were probably one of the first people that got our business on computer back in 1979, uh, where we had uh, inventory programs and and things of this nature. And he very progressive, but he was tough. It was a matter of. You know, it wasn't a matter of holidays meant nothing to him. It wasn't a matter of taking two or three week trips to Honduras where we started after Cuba and Nicaragua and Costa Rica and Panama and Ecuador. And, you know, hey, you know, that it's going to be Thanksgiving. He says, well, we'll give thanks over here. But we, we got to be here to see the crop and so on and so forth. Wow. Good regiment. He had, he had a, from what I've read and heard, he had a, really a, an amazing work ethic, huh? Yeah. Tremendous work ethic. I mean, he was right. He was right there with everyone moving bales from what I was from the interviews that I, I read with you that he was outside doing the heavy lifting a lot of the time. No, no, no. You read the wrong interview. He, he, was, <laughs> he was out there ordering people, he was ordering, ordering us to do the heavy lifting. He, or you. He okay. was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, God, he, not only me, he, me and my wife and my mother and everything else. I mean, you know, the the hardest day of work of my life was was about a 20-hour day that I spent uh, fixing a shipment of tobacco that was mispacked in Honduras when, when we started at 8 in the morning and finished at 3 the next morning. And he had him ordering ordering what to do, and my mom and, uh, my, and my wife and myself, I was moving the bales, and we even brought people in from the street to help. I mean, listen, champ, I fell asleep on the way to bed, on the way to the mattress I did that day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you think he was harder on you because you were his son? Because he expected more from you? No, I think he was hard. No, I, uh, no, I don't think so. I think he was the same way with uh, with just about everybody. He had a, he had a tremendous... Uh, he. he he had a tremendous, a ju he was a tremendous judge of character. So he knew, you know, he knew, and listen, he was, he, he, he was not, not unreasonable. I wouldn't say he was unreasonable. He just, he was just, he was hard to work with, but you know, I, I appreciate, I appreciate everything I learned from him. Push you, push you to your full potential. It sounds I learned, like, like. I learned, I learned, I learned everything to do right and business from that guy. Okay. Uh-huh. And some, some of the some, and and also learned what not to do, from 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 one guy I worked with at one time that had a master's degree in business administration. Okay, so <laughs> I said I learned everything what right to do there in business. So Junior, bringing you into this, 
were you reluctant at all to to join the family business when when the time came? Um, you know, I I had always worked summers at the at you know with the company. I mean, you know, okay. I started like when I was eight years old. We used to go up to uh, to Gadsden County, Florida, every summer because my father and my grandfather brought up a whole. If you can imagine this. Uh, he brought up a whole crew of Cubans, these Cubans that had just come out of Cuba from the uh, from the revolution. So every summer we spent in Gadsden County fire carrying Candela. So I think when I was around eight, my father came to me and my younger brother and asked us, uh, well, not, not asked us, told us <laughs> we had a choice of work in the barn or work in the field. And uh, like an idiot, <laughs> I chose the uh, field and my brother being smarter than I was. Chose the ball where it was cooler. My brother was also my brother's also my brother's also very good at convincing people of stuff. So he managed to convince my father in a day that just working in the tobacco business was not a was not his forte, you know. But I stuck it out. Uh, I went. I I originally wanted to to go into law enforcement when I graduated. From wow. Yeah, I was. Uh, I got a degree in. Uh, in criminal psychology and, and was going to, you know, wanted to go into the federal government, like the marshals or the DEA or something like that. And, uh, got married and discovered that I'd probably make a better living with <laughs> in the family business. But, uh, I had to, as I start, so I started working with my dad and had the opportunity really to, uh, to learn the business from my grandfather. Cause my grandfather was still alive then. And, um, and, you know, I think this, this business is just in your blood because once I started, I, you know, I love the tobacco business. I love, and I, I love the tobacco end of it. So, uh, no, I had a wonderful opportunity to work with my, with my father had on the business side and work with my grandfather on the tobacco side. Well, now we want to ask you, what was it like for you working with your father? Yeah, I, there my, you go. My dad and I don't, my dad and I get along very well because I'm a lot like my mother. <laughs> so I'm very patient. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and like I said, you know, I'm, I, I like doing the tobacco into this, not to say that my father doesn't, but I think he's more in tune with the inventory and, and doing the business end of this thing. And I really enjoyed doing the, the tobacco end, you know, no. and there's, and there's a progression in this business where I'll never get to, but <laughs> you get to where you don't have to, you know, my father, you know, you know, I, I don't mind going to Nicaragua, Ecuador. I, I enjoy that, you know. And uh, so, no, I, I, I'm, I, try to, I try to concentrate on the tobacco into this thing. So. No, let, let, let me say this. Let me, he has, he has uh, about, he inherited that from my father. I did not. In all honesty, I did not. Uh, I mean, my father was a guy that could sit there at a sorting table for eight, nine, ten hours and look at tobacco, and not not just not just because it needed to be looked at, but because he just liked doing it. Okay, and uh, I was not that way. I, I my, my my way was this is what we need to have here. This is what we need to have there. Let's move to something else. And he was, uh, you know, it, it, uh, I, I, to me that I said we got something better to do. He likes to do that, and he had the opportunity to spend with my dad, which we're very fortunate. You know, he died almost at 90 years old, wow. and, and he was, I mean, until before he died, he was a guest. So. We got a real bad connection, Paul. Yeah, I think we... we. You lost me? 
Uh, yeah, we we heard we didn't hear that last part of what you were saying. It was kind of breaking up for you there. Yeah, no, I said that uh, uh, basically he is he has uh, inherited more of what he likes about tobacco from my dad than from me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. uh, he yeah he just he just enjoys enjoys sitting there and looking at tobacco. Uh, Junior's more of the agriculturalist. Okay. That's what it comes down to, I guess. Other things, and, and he—it's working out. Can you hear me? Uh, the connection's lost. Yeah, I think we're—I think we're having a uh, a bad connection from their office there. Should we, should guys, we have, I'll should we have reconnect? Yeah, guys. What I'm gonna do is we're gonna—I'm uh, gonna let you guys uh, restart. Abe and I will uh, will continue here. And we'll have you join back in on the call in just a moment. I don't know if they heard us. I'll uh, I'll Skype them. I'll let them know. But so the the thing to Abe, I mean, not that we have to talk specifically about what the uh, what manufacturers buy from them and whatnot, though. The the scale, as far as how big their their company is and in, in the big scheme of things, I mean. As a as a novice to this industry, what what are we talking? Are they are they like one I'm of the just, largest? No, like yeah, I mean yeah, there's like three I think major major when I see major like like you know world suppliers of tobacco and they're one of them. You know I'm I'm not sure where they stand. It's it's uh, you know I'm not on the agricultural side either. So but when we get them back on, you could ask them and they could tell you exactly where they stand. <laughs> and I'm sure they'll tell well, us. I think we I think got we got them back here. Yeah, yeah we got, got you now. Back? Okay, yeah. I just called. You. Sorry about that. I don't so know what we happened. were just saying, we were just saying that, um, you know, as far as the the scale of tobacco farms and suppliers out there, where where are you guys so that our listeners have an idea of just just how likely they are to have smoked your your tobacco? You know, if if there's a, um, are, are you one of the top three providers out there? Are you like where, what? Give us an idea of the of of just how how big the company the the company is out there in the world of tobacco. I'd say yeah, we're definitely one of the top top three. Um, I mean, if you've smoked anything, I mean, just to run down a list like uh, Fuente Newman, uh, Fuente any any Sungrowns from Fuente Magna Mars Casa Cuba. Uh, with Newman, you have Brickhouse, you have Cuesta Ray, Central Fino, Maximus, uh, Lito Gomez. There's a list of them. Uh, Lito uses a lot of our stuff. That thing is a big customer of ours, as well as Pete Johnson. Uh, mm -hmm. Robbie Levin, mm -hmm. Robert Ashton with the symmetries and the BSG. Uh, uh, Nick Perdomo. I mean, just about anything. Most of your... I, I don't want to say all, but most bars that you see with a with a Ecuador Havano wrapper, which is very popular right now. Of course, Ecuador Sumatra, which is kind of uh, kind of with VSG back in the day, is kind of what put us you know put us out there. Uh, and and any number of so you got uh, a lot of smaller guys, uh, Ian Reith over at Dapper Cigars, Steve Saka, uh, just Chris. The, yeah, Christian Yoda, uh, oh, yeah. General Cigar, uh, you know, a, lot of, a, lot, a lot about tech stuff, you know, just about everybody. So more importantly, who's the toughest 
guy for you to deal with. <laughs> I think I know who he's going to say. Look! Look how look how, look how they froze up. Well done. No, no, the guy for us to deal with. Yeah, probably uh, AJ Fernandez. <laughs> oh really? Abdel. Abdel. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought without a doubt. I thought without a doubt they would have said Saka. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, Steve, no. I think Steve's afraid of my father. No, I don't think Steve's afraid of, Steve's afraid of anybody. I don't think Steve's afraid of anybody, okay? Well, and we just, got Noxa, too, with Nicaragua American Cigar, which makes all the, a bunch of cigars, too. He's the one that, the, 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 for for all these people. Like uh, like Christian, he makes a lot of cigars. Right? What's the matter? Do you, uh, we lost you guys you might have... No, 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 no. We hear you now. We hear some kind of a, uh, some kind of a fan oh, no, or, or. No, that's the compressor for the for the casing machine downstairs. Oh my God! <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's, it's off now. It's off now. It's off. <laughs> Abe was God. Abe was ready to yell at me. He's like, "What's going on? What? This is your fault." But... Sorry, about that. All right, sorry. Okay, about so that. look, we're in a building. It's about 120 years old. So. Yeah, it's all good. Um, so look, we, we obviously you, you sell tobacco to, to tons of people, but I don't think people still comprehend the scale. So, I mean, the average consumer, right? So, how many pounds of tobacco? I mean, you don't have to tell them. I mean, give me some range, but I'm trying to get the consumers to realize how much. First off, how many farms do you guys have? We have, uh, we've got. Was it four farms in Ecuador? No, heck, no, we got two. We got five. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we got, got six about, farms in yeah, Ecuador. We got about six farms in Ecuador. And we and we've got the two farms in Nicaragua. We used to we, we got out of Honduras because of the political and the situation over there. And of course, you know, we broker a lot of tobacco out of the Dominican Indonesia from all over the world. Our our we concentrate on doing wrappers from Ecuador. That's really our 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 primary business. Right. So but I don't think the Pound, the pound number eight would make would make any uh, would would mean have any meaning to you as far as as far as you know just right. because all no these things are based on how pounds. Right. Yeah. No so, correlation. Yeah. But it's over a million pounds of wrapper. Oh no no, that's well pounds. over a million pounds of wrapper. No, it's well it's closer to two million. Yeah. I mean it's just it's just wow. because of the stuff just in Ecuador. In Ecuador it's over a million and a half to a million seven, million eight. Yeah. Just in Ecuador. That's a, I mean it's just a huge number now you guys mentioned Natsa, so i want to talk a little bit about that you guys own a factory i believe with um some friends uh and you guys produce cigars now wh how, when did you guys start with the factory when did the transition come just from growing and brokering tobacco to having a factory let me tell you that on that. Uh, you know, uh, my father had a philosophy that if you were in the tobacco business you should not be involved with a factory at all and the reason being is that uh, because, of course, the people that you're selling to are going to say that you're going to have preferential treatment uh, with the factory that you're with and so on and so right. forth, which, in, in all honesty, that's probably true from human nature. Uh, however, if you don't have any kind of ownership in a factory of some kind where you can control the stuff that you cannot sell to the, to the people, can you hear me? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That where, where you can't control what you're what you're selling to the public, then you're going to wind up 
uh, you're going to wind up having to sell the buck with ridiculous prices because what are you going to do with the stuff you can't sell? Okay. So yeah, we, we've had this now since, uh, actually, uh, we've had some involvement way before Knox. So we, we had some involvement or not, we, but, uh, not, not the company itself. And there's, and the company itself is not involved in that. Some of us in the company are involved in just like I was involved in hot sport. Frank Anessa uh, sold uh, uh, his uh, the Villazani company to General Cigar. So yeah, we we've we've been in there since uh, for a long time. Uh, I'd say since uh, probably what then since before night since since before the uh, the what do you call it when when they, when the cigar industry went crazy the boom. The, the, the boom. just before the boom. Because I think Anessa sold. All these connections were off. 1996, 1986, and 1996. So say 1996, uh, Paul. That uh, since, 1996. since 1996. Okay, that's that's yeah, when the. Take that. I think we we might be losing okay. you guys again. Is, I don't understand this. Is there something that's draining your bandwidth there? Is there people? Something that you no, got going on? No, no, man, we got 500 up and 500 down. Oh God! Uh, so we have a bite, yeah. So we, it's not our, it's not our, well, it's not our Wi-Fi. Listen, senior, I'll just do what I normally do and just blame it on Paul. That's usually what happens. <laughs> it's usually the easiest thing. I just blame it on Paul. It's Paul's fault. But, but in, in his defense, senior, he's the best we could afford. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I like um, I like I like first time guests. See, it, all my sticks are new to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> so when when in Natsa, right? You guys make brands for a lot of major manufacturers. Can you discuss some of the brands that come out of the Natsa factory? You take that. Well, I'm not sure. I, I should remember now. Yeah. Well, uh, that's a, we 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 make a lot of them for JR cigars. We make right. a lot for JR. Ours, we make some for Cigar International. And Cigar International. We make some for Christian Yoda. We make some for Sock. Uh, I think Nicholas Malia we're making one for. Yeah. Um, uh, I haven't, I haven't, there's a lot of them. And we make I mean, one for Excel. The one we sent you. Okay. And that, yeah, that, is, talk, that is a brand that's a. That, I want to talk about this. You guys sent us this box. I want to show it here. All right. Hold on, let me get now, you on, Abe. I'm not on? There you are. You're on. There you, go. You, you sent us this box here, and this yeah. is the Doña Lydia, right? All right. All right. Doña Lydia. Yeah. Uh, and tell us about this cigar, because you sent us some to smoke. I'm, I'm smoking it. Tell us what the history in the background is. Now, is this, is this, this obviously this is made out of Natsa. Is this your brand? Yes. So is this the first brand that you guys as a family have put out there? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. So tell yeah. us, tell us. Okay. So I'm, I'm interested now after all these years of making brands for major players and companies, how did you guys get to the point where you decided to want to make your own brand? And, and what is the story behind uh, Doña Lydia? That's that cigar. We Frankie Nessa used to make a cigar for us that he just called the 62 um frank frank had blended that cigar and um and it was what 
what they what my family smoked. Um, and then, uh, of course, when Frank sold the Vince, they weren't really making sixty twos anymore. And then my dad came in um, and wanted to just do something to kind of honor my mom, you know, kind of do something for the family since everybody was confusing us with the other Olivas, you know. Um, so my he took the cigar. Uh, we kind of we changed. We didn't change the wrapper. We changed what we did to the wrapper on it. Uh, we changed what we did to the binder on it. Um, just kind of tweaked the blend. Uh, add a little bit more Nicaraguan, backed off the Dominican a little bit, and uh, and came up with the Dona Lydia just as a as a not a not a vanity project, but just something for us. Now is this is this her real image on the box? Yeah, oh, yeah. that's my mom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> change, change. <laughs> yeah. Senior. Yeah. Senior, you did pretty good for yourself there, buddy. Excellent, bro. You, you know, did I tell very, her, yeah. You Everybody did very good. Her, you know what I tell her? I tell her, but she, you know, she didn't do bad either. Okay. <laughs> Touche. So, <laughs> so this is um, I'm finding it medium. It's not too strong, but it's it's really flavorful, and I can't really pinpoint what I'm tasting. But what 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 tobaccos are used in this cigar here? We use. We use an uh, Ecuador Sumatra wrapper, but what we used on that cigar was what we call Seed Six, which was our original Ecuador Sumatra, which is a very uh, it's a very difficult seed to grow because it uh, over the course of time it started giving us less and less wrapper. So to pull actual wrappers out of that thing, we've got to sort just a whole hell of a lot to get to it. That Seed Six, for whatever reason,'s got a got a, a unique taste to it which is you know it was the original sumatra that we used to yeah it's it's different than our it's, it's a little bit different than our regular sumatra that we're growing now um and 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 really the only reason we did grow it was for that cigar because again co- commercially for us yeah, trying to get wrapper out of that thing and when you're you know in our position where well, we got to sell everything we grow um that seed just doesn't Field a lot of usable wrapper, but it's got a hellacious, which is what we wanted. And then on the binder, we used Connecticut broadleaf, but we went with a grade that was closer to wrapper. Um, and wow. and just the fermentation process, what we tried doing is instead of hitting that broadleaf real hard, like you know you do sometimes to get that dark color, we just did it slow because. If you know, broadleaf's got a, an inherently sweet taste to it, but we were trying to get some of that sweetness out of the broadleaf. And, and if you if you kill broadleaf with a real hard fermentation, our opinion is you don't you you can't get that. So we did that. The fillers come from our farm in uh, La Jolla in Nicaragua, uh, and 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 some Dominican filler. I, I really got to admit, there's some unique. I've cleansed my palate a couple of times. It really is something distinct, distinctively different in this cigar that I don't readily recognize. Have you? Have do you, you know, like me? it? I do. Paul, you're on mute. Yeah, Paul, you're ba- on mute. Ba- ba- yeah. Ba- no. no. No, Paul. No. Our producer was trying I mean, to say something. I mean, that, 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 distinctive, that distinctive thing that you notice, do you like it? No. That's the thing I would definitely smoke. I'm, you know, yeah. look. At this point, yeah, that's so many trying. cigars 
over time, you just kind of get used to, you know, you, you'll, you'll taste it in different varietals or you get a sense of this or a sense of that, but, you know, seldom you come across something, but it does happen. We're like, wow, I just don't recognize that taste. But, and then that exists there. See, what we're trying to do there more than anything else, Abe, is keep the consistency of that cigar. So, you know, it's it's like anything else. If you like it, it's fine. If you change it, your history, okay? I feel that, or we learned from Frank that what the the the, 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 the what people are looking for, everyone has different tastes. But once you find something you like, you want to consistently get that same taste, and that's what we're. That's what we try to focus on. With the rarity now, of, of what Paul, you... Paul, you're still on mute. Nobody can hear you, Paul. You can't hear me? Nope. Okay. It's not uh, a bad thing, actually. <laughs> way. I just wanted you to play. Okay. You're talking into the camera. So if you want to stay mute the rest of the show, no one will, privilege, no one will notice. So um, who, who's doing this distribution for, for you? Because now that you have a brand, obviously, that's a whole new line of business, right? Making brands for people is easy. I mean, it's not, I don't mean it's easy, but you sell them the product, you don't got to worry about it ever again, right? It's gone. Yeah. Who, oh, how, who's doing the distribution? Are you guys doing your own distribution on this? Yeah, really, we're just going to retailers right now. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, we've started small. Um, and, and you know, we've got a, a, a list of retailers there on the, uh, on, the, on the website. And it's just, it's something small, you know. We just started with a couple of retailers and... What's the name of the guy that does it? Pete? And uh, that's really, you mean, that's you mean really the, how we're doing it. You mean the fat guy? <laughs> the fat guy, Pete Hernandez. Yeah, he, I think he reps his brand here in Florida. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pete. He just yeah. Called the fat guy. Well, to give him credit, to give him credit, he is the one. To give him credit, he is the one that introduced us uh, to you guys. Yeah, yeah. Introduced you yeah, to them. That was his, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So what's yeah. the deal on this <laughs> torpedo here that, that I'm smoking? Just to get oh, a price range. Does anybody know? You guys know? The retail price on this. This is going for a stick because I, I don't know where that is. We, we don't currently sell it here, so I don't know what the what this cigar, if a consumer walked into a store, would roughly, would, what it would roughly be because it, it's it's a commendable cigar, I, honestly. I have I have Coop on as well. Coop might even know. Coop, do you know? Well, get him on. Get him on. I'm on. Get him on. He's on. Coop, what, Coop do you know? First off, Coop, have you ever had this cigar? I have not. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll send you some. I'll get okay. you some. Out. I'll get you some out to smoke. It's, I, I'd be curious to see what you, uh, how you think, what you feel about the cigar. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Have you have you ever talked with the Oliva family, Coop? No, this is like an honor to talk to these two it guys because uh, I mean, as far as you know, with guys who like live and breathe tobacco like me, this this these guys are it. Do you, do you mind if I ask a couple of questions here, Abe? Oh, that's why we brought you on early. I figured okay. you'd have some. So, so, hey, John and John, thank you. Thanks a lot. The one question I get a lot from uh, people I talk to is, how come we don't see a lot of cigars with Ecuadorian filler? We see a lot of it. We know a lot of it's used for wrapper. We know a lot of it's used for binder. But as filler, we don't see a lot. And the tobacco has to go somewhere, right? That's not used for binder or filler. Yeah, Ecuador doesn't really make filler, man. It's either binder or wrapper. I mean, if you have to, if you if you have to throw tobaccos to filler in Ecuador, you you can't you can't survive. It's way too expensive to grow there. Yeah, it doesn't have. It doesn't give you for whatever reason. It doesn't give you the the uh, 
Ecuador wrap, Ecuador doesn't give you the body that you get in Nicaraguan or Honduran or, or Colombian or Brazilian fillers. Um, it's just, a, it's, it tends to be a lighter tobacco. So it's good as a volado, as a filler, but it's not going to give you the depth that you get with Nicaragua or Dominican or Honduran filler. For, and uh, I, I think it's a really yeah. For folks who may not be familiar with the Ecuadorian tobacco business, what are some things that maybe are unique for maybe folks who are familiar like with Nicaragua or the Dominican or Honduras? What's what's a little different about what goes on in Ecuador? Uh, first of all, and the principal difference is that you can't grow under shade in Ecuador. Uh, so most, of, as you know, most, as they call it, sun-grown or cloud-grown or whatever nomenclature they've given to it, um, uh, you don't grow, there's no... Uh, under cheesecloth in Ecuador things are open so um, and and uh, it's a it's the volcanic soil so it's just it's like everywhere else every every geographical location has a unique gives gives tobacco a unique property I, I mean this is conjecture on my part but I really believe this um, you know the soil there is just like the soil in Cuba or the soil in Nicaragua is what gives tobacco its 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 unique characteristic so I think when you talk about Ecuador tobacco, outside of the fact that you can't under cheesecloth, you're just talking about another unique environment, different type of uh, soil uh, phenotype that you can grow, you know, that gives tobacco, it gives Ecuador its unique taste. Does that sufficiently answer your question? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I just want to say, I mean, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, junior and senior, but it seems like... Um, you you really are the agriculturalist, right? I mean, you you yep. got the grain, Junior. That you, you know, that's the part of the other business that you probably love the most. Yes, yeah, without a doubt. Because listen, we're like the gray man in the tobacco business. Uh, you know, you you don't ever like you said. You, you know, people confuse us with the other Oliva. Um, our you know our business. You got to you got to in our business. You take a certain satisfaction in knowing that you basically. Your, the cigars that are made are made with something that we produced, that we were the producer, you know. It's like a, in some respects, like a vineyard that just produced grapes for a great wine, you know. Um, that's, that's you know, you take satisfaction in that. You're the guy behind the curtain. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you guys can be honest. Does it ever irritate you that you get confused with the other Oliva family? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it worked. I'm I'm great friends with he with Hibetico Oliva. Okay, um, they've they've done a, they've done a, a a fantastic job with their cigars and everything else like that. We don't have a problem with anybody in the cigar business. No. I, well, hold on, hold on. I didn't see if you had a problem. I mean, I know we don't have a problem. <laughs> I'm just saying, you ever get a little tinge when people mistake you for the 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 you know the cigar family side of it? Yes, Abe. Yeah, you want me to be honest? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, I what he was looking for. So. I imagine it does a little bit. I imagine. Yeah. Well, because you don't think about it. My grandfather was one of the first guys inducted into the Cigar Aficionado Hall of Fame. There's Zeno Dabit, Frankie Nessa, Stanford Newman, Carlos Fuentes Senior. You know, I mean, that was the that was the that was the uh, that was the inaugural class of the Cigar Aficionado oh, Hall of Fame. Consolidated the old man. You know, it can't. Oh, no, Edgar Cole. 
Edgar Coleman Sr., yeah. Oh, Coleman's Coleman, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look, it, it gets, I just imagine it gets a little further because you're, you're, all your major history has been wrapped up behind the scenes. So, you know, here comes this cigar manufacturing company. All of a sudden, everybody's talking about your family name. You know, I just, just thought it'd be interesting. I, I, I could see how that might ting a little bit. But you guys have done, obviously, great work. Like you said, your family has been on the ground, the uh, Cigar Aficionado Hall of Fame. How are you enjoying, now, how long has this brand been out? Oh, probably since uh, 2012. Oh no! Oh yeah, we have. We just we just got we just got involved in that because of uh, uh, you know we we haven't promoted this at all. But we're, we you know we we make it and the people that that, that, that buy it like it. But yeah, we, we, I would say it was, it was 2012. Yeah. So this has been on yeah that started off as kind of a for over over eight years, nine years. Yeah. Wow. I was now, not aware of that. Yeah. Is this coming out of your Tampa factory? You guys are distributing it out of the Tampa factory where you guys are at? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we bring them here. We make them, in, we make them in, uh, at Noxa, which we've always right. make, made them there. Right. And then, yeah, they, they come over here, and then we distribute them out of here. So I'm just going to make the assumption, junior, senior, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, right? Um, while you've gotten into the, you know, brand you know selling business you guys really haven't focused too hard on that side of the business have you no right no we haven't no that's kind of like the you know the the gravy on the mashed potatoes on the big plate of food right yeah yeah more or less yeah (laughs) (laughs) we ever find out what a retail where, where the retail lies on the brand coop you find anything i have that's about i have not that's six. That's about a six dollar and a half cigar right there. No, you're holding. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. the whole. That was the whole oh, idea behind yeah. this. Abe no. was try to make yeah with our best tobacco. Okay, that you that was at a price point. If it's not six and a half, it's seven. But it's right there. I'm trying to get a hold of Joe because Joe 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 is the one. Uh, that will, uh, he can tell me exactly. He's the one that manipulates the pricing. You can tell that we really concentrate more on the tobacco <laughs> part. Hey, guys, we're on the wrong side of the business here, okay? But no, that's, yeah. So no, you got uh, generations. Yeah, but, You're doing that for generations now. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow. Coop, you said you had a couple questions. Anything else you wanted to ask? Those were my those were my two. Um, I, the other one, I, I just had a little more question on on the brand here, um, and then you, you kind of answered it. How long has it been around for? Um, that was that was my other point on that. Um, I mean, is this is this something that you're looking to promote in terms of uh, you know expanding the brand or any other blends you have maybe in the pipeline uh, going forward? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We 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 worked on on we're working on one other. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a line extension or just, some, you know, this is these are line extensions. Something with maybe broadleaf is for the wrapper, broadleaf for the wrapper. Um, and, you know, we're just, like I said, we're just kind of playing with this right now. Um, uh, you know, yeah, we've got a lot of things in the pipeline. Obviously, we've got a lot of stuff, a lot of tobacco to work with. Um, but I like being careful because, you uh, you know, again, this is something where we want to 
you know, compete against our customers. You know, this is something that we're just doing because uh, being us, nobody, everybody always confuses with the Oliva Cigar Company, you know, which was kind of the impetus for this thing. And just have something as a legacy for us to kind of showcase tobacco that we have that, that, uh, that, that, you know, commercially for us isn't viable to, you know, commercially it's difficult to sell in the respect that, that uh, like the Seed 6 wrapper that we're using on this tobacco itself. I mean, commercially for us uh, to get wrapper out of this thing and to, 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 to be able to make any money on, the, on, the, on a crop like that, you have to basically have your own cigar factory. Right. You know, this is just right. something tobacco that you could you could grow and and uh and i don't you know as a as a grower a lot of times you don't have the luxury the manufacturers have of being able to get rid of inventory that you can't sell and make a living <laughs> no it makes right. a lot of, it makes a lot of exactly. sense look we're at the top of the hour uh senior junior uh we just got to take a quick short break for one of our sponsors and uh we'll be back shortly literally in one minute talk more with uh, junior and senior uh, uh, Oliva and we got uh, Coop to tell us what's going on too some some news this week so we'll be right back right after this Hola a todos mi nombre es Elmer Suarez de la Flor de Copán en Honduras My name is Ernesto Cranwinkel and I'm from La Romana Dominican Republic Hola mi nombre es Diana soy de Manizales Colombia Días Freddy Molina desde Estelí Nicaragua Hola amigos, saludos a todos. María Santis, orgullosa de ser puertorriqueña. Cheers, I'm Oliver, I'm from London, England. I love H. Uman Añejo. My favorite H. Upman Dominican cigar is the H. Upman Banker. My favorite H. Upman cigar is the Herman's Batch. Favorite H. Upman is the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. Mi cigarro favorito es H. Upman Española. I highly recommend you try the H. Upman 175th anniversary, awarded number 10 cigar of 2019. One world together with H. Upman. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. I'm Steve here. Part two of KMA Talk Radio on this September 5th of 2020, the year of the COVID. I think that's what it's going to go down. The year of the COVID. <laughs> the year of the COVID, right? I have my uh, trusty sidekick, the best producer we could possibly afford, uh, okay. Paul DeGracco, broadcasting live from uh, Boston, is it? Or what's the town you're in? I forget what you called it. Whitensville. Whitensville? Whitensville, it's outside. Of, it's between Boston and Worcester. Is that Whitensville like Whiteyville, like White? White? <laughs> wow, uh, I don't really want to go changed. there, but I'm surprised. No, I'm just surprised they haven't changed that town name by now. Wait I don't know. I, I came in, they checked my ID, they asked what the vowel was at the end of my name. I told them a typo. Don't worry, I'm I'm cool. I can come in. You did not. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that we had different sizes of this. I have the Corona. Yes, I I, I I'll switch with you. No, these we smoked. Abe, I'm not joking. You, my buddy and I. I bo- I smoked one, two, three, four, five. We've smoked five of these last night. Yeah, this is a stellar stick. It's like, really like, good. We'll find it sooner to smoke it near you. And we and we confirmed, by the way, that that your cigar is uh, the the torpedo is uh, six fifty retail. 
an amazing price for this cigar. And the Corona is a five fifty retail. What smoking this, I would have I would have a hundred percent thought that this would easily be a nine or ten dollar. Being up in New York with the taxes it'd probably be like a thirteen dollar cigar. But down in Florida, definitely like a nine dollar retail. And uh, live from his uh, boudoir, or whatever you call that room, we have William Cooper, the cigar with Coop. <laughs> the virtual one. The virtual one. Coop, in your Battle of the Band sampler, am I mistaken, but did I did, did I notice that you gave it a, a name? No, that wasn't me. Oh. That oh. wasn't me. That was Aaron. He's calling it the flavor pack. The flavor pack, okay. That's Aaron, yeah. You know, mine, mine just coops, yeah. It, it's really interesting because I, you know, with all we've seen going on, I, I have a lot of new stipulations now, like how we may do this, you know, round two. Because I think naming your own pack is a cool thing too. Yeah, I thought I thought that was an interesting idea that Aaron, Aaron did with that. Um, I thought that was like I said. There's things that are evolving from this that are interesting, and and that mm-hmm. is one of the things I would say I like that he did with that. Because Kevin, I think, was calling his the shorty for forty from from the get go, right? Yeah, and, that's true. He was doing it too. Yes. I yeah, and, and I just I thought didn't that have was, a name for mine. I, I I think mine was starting to be called the Legends Pack. Was what people were starting referring it to. I swear, because I, I saw had somebody the, call it something. It might have been. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I haven't officially called it the Legends Pack, but that was kind of the theme of my pack: is to have a sampler with people who have twenty five or years. Uh, 25 years or more experience and that was kind of what I went with that so maybe that would be like the unofficial name for mine I tell you though doing this this time around we see a lot of different facets and how uh, to fine tune this for Battle of the Bands too. yeah you know like anything when you put something out there the first time uh, and this was a really good idea the idea has to evolve I mean right. so yeah. Yeah, uh, I think everyone's learning some things from, from this certainly uh, on this so uh I think that's a. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. There's there's a lot of interest in this though on social media. I mean, well, I'm, look, I'm amazed. I just it's all over. But it's one of those things because we're an industry is like a family. So this was like a cool competition, and everybody's kind of gotten involved in it. Not just you guys as the competitors, but the manufacturers, the consumers. I, I think it's been great. Have Have you guys done an update on the standings, or did you stop doing that already at this point? No, no, it's it's automated. You know, it may not look, it may not sway as quickly because, as the, the oh. total number of packs it le- goes up, a couple a couple sales doesn't move the ticker anywhere. You know what I'm saying? So, it, 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 you will see probably slow, gradual movements, but we'll probably take it down like a week or ten days before the event. I'm hoping that, you know, there'll be two guys within striking distance, so at least it's not an obvious yeah. winner on, on who's going to win. Yeah, did you see Saka raise the stakes this week? Yes, he threw. Uh, you buy Aaron's pack, get that unicorn sampler. Three unicorns. Three unicorns. Three different Two unicorns. released, and one yeah. is a hundred dollar unicorn. I mean, uh, that's great. I mean, so you're <laughs> seeing the manufacturer get involved with that. Listen, I've seen now consumers posting free stuff, lobbying for their favorite blogger to win. Somebody's out there offering free coffee. I think. Well, I, I think there's some influencing going on behind the scenes with that, but that's not a bad thing necessarily. Well, it's not. Um, it's not a bad thing, though. I will tell you something interesting about the Battle of the Bands, which I've noticed. 
it seems like a lot of the ancillary social media people have kind of rallied behind one of the the um, competitors. Have you noticed that? Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean, you know, when, when I say ancillary, I mean guys not in the competition, right? I didn't mean like you know ancillary in the definition. Why do you think that? I don't know. Maybe you know. Look, it, look. This is America, man. We always right. like the dog. You know, and I think Kevin's kind of been the underdog, came out of the gate knowing the underdog. Said in the beginning, like, there's no way he felt he could win this. And, no, um, he, nah, he, he's pulling a Steve Saka. He totally I agree. knew what he was doing. He may have had the most – look, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I'm not exactly thinking what he's doing is in the best spirit of it, but i got to give him credit. He's come up with a well-executed plan. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this. I don't want to make this a whole Battle of the Bands show because we're going to have that on October 5th. Wow. Right. But, but I will say this. Talking to him prior, my personal taxes, he really just didn't believe he could win. He was just happy to be involved. And somewhere along the way, he, that's why I think he worked so hard in the beginning to figure out how he could try to get out there. And then I think the snowball just ran. But, you know, he, he honestly, I, I think he's also put, like, the most effort in getting it out there. I mean, no, it, it, you it's have like to give him credit on. Yeah, yeah, he's working absolutely. Like a full-time job, which wasn't the intention when we started this. We just thought, hey, we'd have a couple of injuries, you know, cigar media guys make this sampler, throw it out there, and see how the butterfly flew. But it became like basically a literal battle royale thing. So, and he's he's gotten some pushback. He said, so he if you saw his video this week, I don't know yeah, who, was, what other people look, have said anything. Listen, it's not that. It's sometimes the consumers, you know, uh, the consumers in their excitement sometimes. Because the one thing we didn't want it to become was nasty, right? I, I commend, look, Coop knows I've been a supporter of the cigar media, honestly, as far back as I knew, learned and knew about them, you know, going back to literally pre-2010. And I commend them on what they do. I mean, I do this one weekly show. I just show up. I mean... I pay you and some other people to get stuff ready, even though you don't do a great job of it. I just, <laughs> I just walk up and turn the mic on and, and start talking. These guys all got full-time jobs, right? Doing other stuff and yet provide boatloads of content for cigar aficionados. I mean, I, Coop, I don't really don't know how you do it. You must have yourself cloned somewhere because to, to put up as much content as you do and have a job, and do this, and you'll be traveling when you know pre-COVID. It's it's mind-boggling. So for, for these guys, they're they're in my opinion real heroes of the industry. That's kind of really why I came up with Battle of Bands. I wanted to bring a spotlight to that. So I there was a point where I think some of the consumers were trying to. It was getting a little bit nasty, and I'm glad that Kevin made that video because this is really all about good spirit. And yeah, while absolutely. we and while we could bust balls and have fun because you know I, I'm a I consider myself a world class ball buster. You know. I, I think sometimes you just got to be careful. It doesn't slide over that line. And But it, it's, it's I, I've been very, I've been having a lot of fun. Some some of the best memes have been put out there and, and little video, ad, little meme ads and stuff like that. It's been real fun watching. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, and I, I heard, I saw that, because remember you were telling me about the Macho Man video last week, right? I hadn't seen it. And I saw I it, I'm like, what's, and I guess people got, so some people got upset about it. I'm like, well, I thought it was pretty creative what he did. I can't, and, and he kind of took some jabs at us, but that wasn't fun. That wasn't anything I thought vindictive I, or I nasty that he I don't did. Think it was anything, I don't think it was anything yeah. about what Kevin was doing. I think a lot of the 
the, the fan, people, fan people base. get behind. Yeah, you know, I, think it, it, I think that's where a lot of the comics may have started edging towards that line of not being, you know, but even even if even if that and I didn't see a lot of that, but I wouldn't blame it on him. Uh, no, unfortunately, he's I guess, Kevin, no, it's not his fault. I don't think Kevin did anything wrong. In fact, I, I, I texted him and I told him that Macho Man video was artistic and brilliant. If this industry had an award for something like that, he should win. Yeah, I don't know why he called me Bill. That was the only it's Will, but uh, that, I thought but I, don't, that was, I was called Bill. In I it. thought that was funny when he called you Bill. <laughs> I, 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 I don't mind. I, there are people who have called me Bill, but I was like, where did this come from? Yeah, I was like, yeah. but it was, you know, I, I didn't get the tiki bar snapped in half, but I didn't even think that was bad either. No, the tiki bar snap is because Brian Glenn's are world famous for having the tiki torches. Yeah, but it was kind of, I thought it was cool how he did it. I, I think I give like I said I give him the creativity and uh, on, on that. Um, it isn't you know that isn't my shtick. I'm not gonna get up there and and dress no. up like the Macho Man, but that's him, man. And he's got to be he's got to keep it real. No, it, it's fun. Yeah. I, I look forward yeah. to our video uh, in about thirty days and see how all this pans out so do you think there's yeah. a shot that somebody else could come in and and win this thing yeah yeah i mean i mean look i i just it's funny you mentioned that because i was looking at the ticker because i know we got a holiday promotion on now so everybody could get those samplers at 20 percent off this weekend um he but he you know cigar obsession was gaining on him but now he's i see he's gained a point he's moved up since yesterday or this morning so kevin's at 30 37 so it's 24 to 37% between one and two. And honestly, man, it's a, it's still 30 days. So, you know, it's it's not it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So yeah. it's just a matter of test of time. What, what I don't see is he's not letting up. He's being relentless. But, you know, if you want my probability factor and, and how I mathematically line this up, the, the only problem he has is his reach is a lot smaller. And he right now he's getting a lot, I believe, He's getting a lot of repeat business from the same guys, and there's only so much that guys are going to be able to do that. So when you have 100,000 people, the sales will trickle in slowly over time. So I could be full of shit. I could be spot on and just trying to, you know, you know, I could be spot on, but or I could just be making, dramatizing it more. But that's how I think that's how I think it's going to play out. You know, um, Brian Glenn uh, has been doing this probably one of the longest out of everybody involved. He's got huge reach, and you know he just puts it out there, and, and he's he has some of the largest number of views on on his videos. So in time, he has that advantage because I think a lot of his sales will be new people who are finding the video for the first time or learning about it the first time, compared to a smaller group that wants a guy to win so bad and that they, they keep you know supporting him by buying a couple more samplers today, a couple more samplers next week. You know, Abe, what, why I always said I didn't think I was going to win wasn't because I don't think I could do a good sample or have good reach, but my my audience is very different than the other five. I see a lot of people in my audience as brand owners, representatives, retailers, not necessarily the kind of people who may go out and buy a sample, all right? So I'm kind of really surprised where I am right now just on that fact alone. And I'm, I've been blown away that people will send me a picture saying, "Hey, I bought your sample." I mean, I'm just yeah. like really touched that they did that. I mean, I'm not thanking I, them. Uh, yeah, I think that's a credit to the quality of work you do. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, you know, everybody's approached this in a different way. Kevin's approached it in a marketing, selling standpoint, which is fine. I didn't make the rules against that. Most of the other guys have just kind of put it out there. 
um, and maybe they'll do a video with each of the manufacturers they selected or whatnot, but it's not really a sales selling tactic, which wasn't really my, you know, thought process when I came up with this, and then, you know, it would have been attacked that way. But it seems to be working out. Well, listen, at the end of the day, if you're going to ask me, are, is people having fun with it? And I say, yeah. So for me, that uh, it works out because that, you know, look, I'm all about having fun and experiences. Yeah. You know? If you can't have fun what you're doing, then we're just, you know, we're just killing yeah, time. I, I, no, exactly. And that's why I said if my sampler isn't the one that's going to suit you, there are five other ones that are, everyone did a great job with it. Was, there's no duds in these samples. I mean, even, like I said, Kevin for a $40 sampler, I got to take my hat off for him. That's a hell of a package he put together with those cigars. He, he worked um, on at one point. He really, really he did, yeah. He really did yeah. redid his whole package. I mean, literally. Coop, did you right. did you uh, did you buy everyone else's sampler? I bought a few of them. Um, I'm probably gonna buy them all just to kind of have. I may make something for the wall with it right now. But I have I have three of them. I just kind of uh, got to buy the other three. Before we get to the, I leave a family back. I just want to make sure. Did you get your shirt yet? Finally, I got it. <laughs> it right. was a. Uh, so here's what happened. I see Aaron on Thursday night with Sokka with the shirt. I'm like, dude, what the heck's with the shirt? And then Aaron went off the air with Sokka, and the mail came very late at my house, which is typical, and the, and it came Thursday night. So, yeah, yeah, so I'm going to put this out there. I'll probably do it on social media, too. We got about, I think, 30 orders for shirts. So I'm going to give it through the end of the day Tuesday. If anybody wants to order one of those Battle of the Band shirts, they got to be digitally made. You know, I can't do mass runs on them. So if anybody's interested in getting a Battle of Bands shirt with their favorite media guy, just email to info at smoking.com. Include your name, your phone number, your email, your shirt size, and which cigar media shirt guy you want. And once we get the tally in, I'm going to cut it off probably Tuesday. We'll call. We'll get a quote to see how much it is. Then we'll call everybody back. And whoever still wants them, we'll, we'll make you guys shirts. But, yeah, people are wanting those shirts, so it'll be interesting. They're great shirts, by the way. They they really came out nice. I was very yeah. pleased with it. Ah, cool. So if you joined us in hour one, uh, I just wanted to let you know that we have a, a probably one of the most historic uh, tobacco families in the cigar industry, uh, John uh, Oliva Sr. and John Oliva Jr. of the Oliva Tobacco and, and Excelsior Cigars. I guess, is that what we're calling the division that's, is this Excelsior Cigars that we're calling this? Got it. Good. Welcome back, guys. Yep. Hey. hey, so in the break there, I took a chance and uh, I, I, I called one of the retailers here, and uh, that torpedo you were asking me about—it was, it was seven dollars, okay? And the and the but the most but that's the most expensive one, and uh, and it goes all the way down to six on the other sizes. So they're not well, expensive; I, they're just they're I have, good. I have to tell you, senior, that's honestly an a, a incredible price point, in my opinion, for for that cigar I smoked. So. Um, I, I, I think and I hope that after this show, a lot of people are going to seek out where it's where this cigar is at, because I, I definitely think it's, without a doubt, an extremely worthy smoking experience, and especially even at that price point. So, mm -hmm. Well, kudos to you guys. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, it's, a, it's a great cigar. Did you have any other questions before we dive in? I want to make sure... I know I know Coop is probably the, the purest form of the journalist between the three of us, so I don't want you to feel like you've missed your opportunity here. Well, let me let me ask another question here. When when did your family? What year did your family start getting into the farming business? Not nineteen thirty-five. Well, no, my, well, you, the family. I mean, my, 
Yeah, yeah, 1954. But no, my, that's when my dad started the company. My grandfather, my dad was born on a tobacco farm in Cuba. Okay, and my grandfather was like a superintendent of about uh, I don't know, maybe six or seven major, major, uh, major uh, tobacco farms in Cuba. So he was working in the tobacco really since he was about six years old. Okay. Oh wow. Uh, so when the when the embargo happens in the early 60s um and obviously a lot of brands in the u.s now are not getting cuban tobacco anymore what ship how did the ship how did you guys see the shift happen in terms of the going to the non-cuban tobaccos what, what types of tobaccos were were the ones that um started becoming more prominent that maybe people were seeking after at that point my dad picked up on this uh, thing coming way sooner than most people uh so uh, first of all, he bought a major part of the uh, inventory of tobacco that was available when Castro took over, and he supplied that in in a in, in a proportional way to all the manufacturers here in Tampa that were depending on it. Um, and uh, you know, I, a lot of people say this not it wasn't a smart move, but I'm I'm proud to say that he maintained the prices before the uh, before the uh, the embargo and uh, he maintained the prices without you know he just kept them and then he went out and started searching other places to get tobacco that's when we started up in, in honduras and then in, in nicaragua and uh one of the major things at that time especially i don't know if you remember the perfecto garcia brand but they they, they used a mm -hmm. lot of tobacco a lot of candela they were out of chicago and all this and so candela was it was an issue and that's when we started doing a uh we, he bought uh, started farms in Honduras, then in uh, Nicaragua, and then we made uh, we made some uh, uh, headway with the with, uh, with the farms here in Gadsden County and also in uh, in the Connecticut Valley, especially a, a family called the Christians with about another 12 kids that that, uh, that we partnered with, and uh, we had 25% of their farm. They own 25% of our of our of what we were doing in Honduras, so we started. Uh, we did about as much as a million pounds of Candela tobacco here, and uh, and uh, the farmers that were uh, fleeing Cuba and coming here, uh, my father got them to uh, really uh, uh, do all the Candela operations for them. So, are you hearing me? All right. Yes, sir. I'm hearing you good. Yep. Yes, sir. So, so basically. Uh, he, he, we would, uh, we would go there and do this, this Candela operation seven weeks in, in uh, Gadsden County and four weeks in Connecticut Valley. Uh, the, and the charge was about six cents a pound to do the, the, do the tobacco. Kept a lot of people and a lot of people, uh, getting the money to settle in and over here. And we did that. We did that until the Candela market petered out. Uh, so uh, that's, that's, um. Does that answer your question, Coop? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I, Another like, question I have. Oh, okay, Dave. Go I'm ahead. sorry. No, no. I just I, I want to ask because uh, you know you talked about the Cuban thing, but there's been a lot of things that affect tobacco, and I, I'm a science geek, so I always love the the science background about it. And one of the most interesting things, and and I think it was Nick Perdomo Senior, um, who who said it to me one time when I was down at the farms, is because when I was learning about how the soil and, and, and stuff like blue mold was handled and how it was, you know, how, what, what the amount of science and technology that goes to keeping stuff like blue mold at bay and whatever, I asked them, I said, well, 
you know, that seems a lot of science and a lot of technologies involved. What did you, what did they do a hundred years ago? And his answer was me is that the, the plagues evolve like the technology does. You know, there was no blue mold a hundred years ago. And on, on the agricultural side, junior, you know, you know, with something like blue mold, how, what's, what's the amount of science that you guys got to keep up with to, to ensure that stuff like that doesn't happen again? Well, um, to be completely honest with you, eliminating blue mold um, uh, is, 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 is damn near impossible. I mean, um, it's, it's an airborne spore, and I think it's developed, you know, it's mutated over the years. So it's constantly developing um, immunities, you know. So really, blue mold is probably the hardest thing to control in growing a crop of tobacco. Um, you you, you got to be and the problem that you have now, which is not necessarily a bad problem, is a lot of the uh, the uh, the dead fumigants or yeah or yeah, you know yeah. and, uh, the stuff to fight it uh, is you know we're moving more towards you're, you're in our business we're moving more towards almost organically growing tobacco because the manufacturers are calling for that now with the regulations on pesticides and it's not a bad it's not a bad thing okay but blue mold is something that if you don't treat preemptively you're you're finished and, and what i mean by that is if you don't start trying to treat for it uh uh you know proactive. crop is very proactive small, yeah Actively, yeah. then you're you're doomed. Um, it's an air, like I said, it's an airborne spore, and and there's really nothing ever been uh, created, even even genetically, trying to do something with seeds to uh, to create something that's immune to it is has been damn near impossible. You know, so we've been fortunate in Ecuador. We don't get it for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because it's the way it travels through the Gulf Stream, or or what it is. I'm not that technology technologically, you know smart enough to figure that out but but uh but uh, you know blue mold is a scourge of tobacco obviously it's the worst thing that we you know you can fight black shank you can fight some of this other stuff but but blue mold is a is a killer and it's got to be fought preemptively you got to start treating the crop you know when it's you know small this started back up in, uh, in basically big 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 problem came in 1974 with a hurricane that hit honduras and, uh, and and it, and, it, and supposedly it moved through the airstream from Texas over there, and it's been a problem, real serious problem ever. And it's, but some of the places that, that are are uh, are uh, you stay in the tobacco. Yeah, the residues is what yeah. we constantly. You know, you're trying not. And in there, so. So, as got to work on this connection I'd, I'd love to have these guys on again we could talk for like literally another two hours but you mentioned junior organic right what what really differentiates because that you know people just always claim oh it's all natural so you know, organic product but the differentiating between organically grown tobacco or not is just the lack of use of pesticides and fumigation we got them frozen you're killing me small Paul. connection can't can't hit the question Wait, we got you back. Can you hear us now? Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah. I mean, Nate. Go ahead. 
Okay, yeah. Sometimes you're hearing me, but you're frozen on our end. But if you can hear me, I'll ask it again. I said, you know, yeah. it, you talked about organic tobacco, and I was just curious what exactly defines organic tobacco because there's always this psychological image that it's all organic, it's tobacco. But is it the lack of fumigation and the lack of pesticides that make it organic? Yeah, for the most part, the most part. that's based what it would be. I mean, you're never going to get away from it completely. Um, would the, but doesn't isn't that a catch too? Because if that's the case, and you can't use the preventative measures for blue mold, so does that concern you a little more? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But they develop seeds to the that are more resistant to it. Also, uh, they the seeds themselves. That, okay, uh, are more blue mold preventive. Okay, so uh, there is some there is some strain, strain resistant there is some resistant strains out there. There's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah they're, but they're but resistant but resistant not not immune. Okay? Right. Yeah, no, blue mold. Yeah, blue mold's a killer. I mean, blue mold's a killer. Coop, you had a question. I I kind of cut you off when I got into the blue mold. What did you want to ask? So. Um, in terms of broadleaf, we've been hearing a lot about broadleaf uh, shortages from the from Connecticut in, in the past year. But I know a lot of folks have been seeking out other sources of broadleaf. So what we're starting to see, we're starting to see more Nicaraguan broadleaf. Um, and maybe why, why is it that these countries originally weren't just conducive to growing broadleaf, like Ecuador, Honduras, and, and Nicaragua? One of the main reasons, Coop, is because you're talking about two different field, uh, 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 soil bases altogether. You're talking about a volcanic soil in the in the Central and South American area, and you're talking about a glacial soil in Connecticut and the places where it grows, and it has that particular taste to it around the uh, Connecticut Valley and and, uh, and and there in, in Massachusetts, stuff like that. So uh, it's it's way more conducive to get like uh, what do they call it, black shank, uh, on the on the on the uh, broadly to get the black shank and. It just doesn't sometimes. So in developing some of these broadleaf seeds that, that have been more resistant, we've had some more success, better success on it. That's the difference, though. It's basically, it's the soil. Yeah, the soil is what gives it, gives it everything. It's, it's like with any tobacco. I'm a firm believer in that. All the unique tastes that you taste in different tobaccos from different parts of the world, it, it's, it's in the soil. I, I've said that for years. It's one of the reasons why it took a while for... Um, these families, when they left Cuba, when they went to Nicaragua, Honduras, for for the cigars to really bloom, you know, flourish in their production and, and flavors, because it took a while for that soil composition to build and develop over the decades. But man, I think Nicaragua, and, and you guys are more the expert than me, but I kind of say it as if I'm an expert all the time. But I think Nicaragua and the Dominican and 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 Honduras have some phenomenal soil compositions these days. They're making sure. great cigars out of there. It's the I mean, same with wine. I, I think it's far better than it was in, in the 60s, you know? Yeah, and this kind of explains... Yeah, I went to an exercise where I... Had, you guys, go ahead. What were you saying, Junior? No, soil, to, soil, in my opinion... I mean, this is my opinion. Soil is what... You know, soil in all these different regions is what gives cigars, you know, tobacco its its flavor characteristics. I mean, it's it's in the it's in the soil. I mean, you you know, without a doubt. But on top of just geographical location, soil can improve as it's cultivated and and 
and, and minerals are and, and, and over time, correct? It can, Abe. It, it's mean, funny. Got I got just... Senior over there shaking his head. <laughs> I got Junior. Yeah, well, you got you got. What you're talking about is if you do the rotation. If you do the rotation, you, it's not just the soil. It's how you handle the soil. It's how you manage the soil. It's how you uh, rotate from one year. Let it rest. Put cover crops on it that, that replenish the nutrients. Those things are all very important. It adds up. Okay. So if you don't do that, then the soil never gets better. I mean, that that's the understanding I've always learned. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But you know, soil soils from these. These regions have endemic characteristics. Okay, sure. I mean you're always going to get, it, it, you know, like Nicaraguan tobacco tastes different than Dominican tobacco. It tastes different sure. than Honduran tobacco. And right in with it, in, in Nicaragua, you're going to get to, you're going to get the Jalapa Valley. You're going to get the, the Esteli area. You know, same same thing goes in Ecuador. You got the one end of the country where we grow the Candela, and it's you know, it's, it's it's hardly sun ever shines. And then you got the other end of the country where we where we grow more of the Sumatra, and you got the Bajos, and you, you got all these, these. Uh, you have to, you have to almost treat them like as if they're the the lots as like they're independent farms almost. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Every region has its own distinctive characteristics. I just always understood that when you tend to the soil better, you'll get the most out of it. You know, you, could, you know, you you could have two farmers, same region, same soil, but one guy's tending to the soil better and will produce better stuff, in my opinion. Absolutely, That's absolutely right. I'd like, since I got the, I'd like to talk about one of my earliest favorite rappers when I first really was getting into cigars, and when I was first getting into cigar business, it was extremely popular, because I'm always interested at, at the trends and how certain rappers just blow up and then they just fade away. And I'm, I'm almost sensing a little bit of a resurgence um, on the retail side. I feel, but Cameroon has always been one of my favorite rappers. I love Cameroon. Cameroon, to me, was a very tasty rapper. Um, and it was so popular when I first got into business. I mean, everybody was making a Cameroon version of everything. And then it just, nobody was talking about it. Nobody was making it. Now, now maybe we just didn't hear about it. Maybe they just didn't advertise it. So as, as guys who, you know, grow and sell tobacco, did you, did you notice the, a dip in Cameroon usage? Yes, there was a dip in Cameroon. Cameroon usage because basically Cameroon is a very hard tobacco to uh, uh, farmers. Uh, it was a lot more successful when it was handled by the French. Yeah, go to Paris. I, I totally feel like I'm missing out on a world of knowledge here. I, I agree. I, we have a bad connection. You're, you're yeah. yeah you're, on the Cameroon, on the Cameroon, yeah. Well, why don't we, why don't we end here and we will. I think you should invite them back on, Paul. Yeah, we'll do a different day. Yeah. Guys, I don't know if you can hear me. This is this is hurting me more than anything. Yeah, yeah. These poor guys. The the the. I, 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 we turn Wi-Fi off. Yeah. I don't understand. 
Senior, I got I got to apologize. I'm pretty sure that somewhere in there was a phenomenal answer that none of us could hear. We're just having a major well, problem. So yeah, you can hear if you can hear. I, it was just about the Cameroon that you said. Yeah, it is. Okay. And because yeah, you can't hear. No. No, we can't hear you. Listen, Listen guys, I, I want to have. Talk. I'm going to tell you, Abe. Yeah, listen, call me afterwards. I want to hear this answer, but I, I want to have you guys both back on the show um, when you can in the near future because, honestly, we really didn't scratch the service. There's yeah. so much stuff I'd really like to talk to you guys about, and this it, it, it's almost painful. I don't know if you guys can hear me. I'm, I'm, I'm in pain because I can't hear the, the wealth of knowledge is probably coming out of your, you know, uh, on your side of the screen. Well, so, we're almost out of time, and we haven't really scratched where yeah, where we want to go as well. Yeah. So why don't we get him back on, Paul? And we can test the connection, make sure it works a little bit better. And um, because I, I really would love to talk to these guys like, at least for another hour or two. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Yeah, I might want to just disconnect. Whatever you want. Yep, that's what they're, 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 they're Reach out to them. You know, try to get them back on. I mean, I was. Just getting in good stuff because I mean, did you know? Do you feel that coop like just I, now? I don't know if it's because I, look, I mean, it could be a lot of things because we're not thinking about it. Manufacturers just might have veered away from using it because it was too problematic, right? Because we all know it's like he was starting to say it's kind of hard. The yield is hard to grow. I know it's a fragile wrapper. I mean, some of some of the biggest problems we have with cigars will crack in our humidors. Typically, Cameroon. I mean, if you ding it really quick it, it could crack a wrapper but i'm starting to see a lot of people getting back to using cameroon again have you noticed that coop yeah you know and i wanted to kind of really this is a topic i did want to really touch on them with because you know a lot of it is it's the it's the thing to do a lot of it is supply and demand uh wrappers from what i understand it's very much a commodities on the stock exchange in terms of pricing of things and those are the things i really wanted to get into with those guys yeah. to see and and it's cameroon wrapper that's that you know you, we that's not cameroon I mean, and you see what Fuente's talking about right now, where there's things that are called Cameroon, where they're not necessarily it's cam from Cameroon. So those are the things I wanted to really get into with that. If you saw me just jump, I'd burn myself playing with a lighter. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what was going on. I just yeah. tur I accidentally turned on a torch in my hand. And I'm becoming bad on it. That's the second one. That, that was earlier this week. Getting fidgety with lighters. Shouldn't play with lighters. Uh, it's going to burn. So yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, I've done it. I've done that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, I burned two fingertips of that one. Right. That one's good. Right. Um, but um, no, man, it, 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 I, I'm really kind of now thinking retrospect why it took us so long to have them on the show. I mean, it, it really. I mean, I've known them about for years. Lou Rothman, who's a good friend of ours, who I believe is a part owner of Nazi, even works with them. You know, owns part of the factory with them. He's known them for years and been friends. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't thought think about bringing them on the show earlier. Well, it takes you know, a producer it, of a certain caliber to, you know, uh, think of Peter these Nandes types of things. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it took Peter Hernandez telling you, sure. Paul was all excited this week. He's like, you're going to really be proud of who I got as a guest. And I'm like, um, and then he told me, like, I just did a wow. I'm like, yeah, you know, it was like, I did it like, yeah, those are guys I've never thought of um, having on. I mean, I'm having Jeremiah on from who does Cameron Tobacco, Jeremiah Mirafal is going to be on my show next month. Uh, but I never thought of reaching out to the Olivas. Just it's one of those things. It was like, yeah, that, that's a great one. 
I really hope there's an opportunity to do a redo here on that because no, I think we can definitely we're scrap. definitely doing a redo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are great guys too. I mean, just just hearing the answers here. Yeah, I mean, they they were cool to talk about talk to before too. Like I spoke to them for a while before we came on the air. They're awesome. Yeah, I don't right. know it come it comes from my time of working my dad but I always get sentimental when I see a father and son or daughter working together I love that whether it's the you know Padrone family or Lido I think it's awesome when, when when generation stuff go like that you know speaking of Lido he's going to be on the show next week is he really yeah. oh, wait, hold on hold on hold on you mean this you actually know the guest before the show <laughs> Is over. over. Well, yeah. How did that happen? Who did uh, the work for you? No, I got some answers sooner than I normally do. You listen. You can make fun of me all you want, but it takes a it takes a lot to get is answers. Making fun of, or is it just stating the facts? <laughs> no, it's making fun of. It's you're a bu- really you're a bully. You're a bully because really you think it motivates oh, people. You, you just made Skip Martin orgaze, orgasm in his pants. Why did he say oh, you were a bully? He always calls me a bully. That's his uh, his stick for me. I'm I'm a big bully. Well, I mean, I don't I don't think you're like uh, purposely doing it, but you I think you your type of motivation is to degrade somebody to make them to make them feel so sorry for what they're doing <laughs> that you think it's going to motivate them. And it, it it doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't affect me one way or the other. It doesn't matter. I know I what I'm doing. I don't know if it's degradation or is it just stating the facts. That's the. That's it's the not. Difference. That's part of it too. Like you're you're doing oh, the same thing there. No, you're saying you're saying it's stating the facts so that Hold it's. My deg- okay, so let me. I just want to clarify this. Do I state untrue facts or is just the fact <laughs> of the situation I state? You over degrading. you overemphasize things for oh. for show. Overemphasize actual true facts. Is that the problem? You overemphasize. Well, that doesn't work. You overemphasize yeah, I, I, things. I love Coop cracking Coop up here. Let's not. <laughs> Coop, why don't you tell us what's going on this week? Any good news? Um, I don't want to know about good news, but there's some interesting news happening. Um, and it's not just not really on the rapper blind of filler end. Um, so multiple sources have now pretty much confirmed uh, that Mike Giannini is out at Ventura Cigar. Oh, wow. Uh, there was an article in Aficionado, but I had been hearing some stuff um, over the past couple of months, and the people I've talked to have stood by that story, but we, we hadn't heard an answer. And uh, while Ventura didn't speak to all the press, they did tell Aficionado that uh, they are out, that he is out, and there's a restructuring of the portfolio going on within uh, the company right now. Um, so Ventura was operating as a standalone company under a bigger entity uh, called Cretec, which is uh, a bigger enterprise. They're in a lot of different spaces. They also are the same company that puts on the TPE show. Um, I was at the TPE show this year in January, and I was in the, uh, the Cretec booth. And if I tell you Ventura had a almost like a kiosk, and that was it. And, and right there, I saw some signs there that, you know, when you just have a kiosk after all you put in the Ventura, something's going on there right now. Um, so they're not operating standalone, they're restructuring, and, and Mike Giannini's out at, at Ventura right now. Well, if I got to put my, my rumor, not rumor, but my hypothetical two cents in, I, I have to believe that the reason that the restructure is, I, I, Cretec probably didn't want a separate division. Cretec always sold cigars through the regular division. I agree. And, and I think when they hired Giannini, it was probably his 
his platform is that we have to separate the company so it's not you know and of course anytime you tell an owner of a company that hey you bring bad image to the premium cigar side of it um, I don't know. I mean, I, this is all speculation. I know it's not your territory, but that's my territory, you know, for the show. Oh, I'll speculate. I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you on this. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that wow. they weren't thrilled about that move in the beginning because I can understand the branding image of wanting to make a premium cigar division out of Cretec. Cretec was well known and famous, really mostly for imported cigarettes and clothes, and 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 that's kind of where they've made their mark in this industry. So. I think that Giannini wanted to make some space between that. And now that he's gone there, I think they're just going to fold it right back up in, which I don't know how that'll fare because the Archetype brand, which is, you know, the major brand that, you know, they got Psycho 7 but in Archetype, um, they're out in stores. So I don't know if that'll change how retailers feel, if it makes any difference at all. But, um, yeah, I think that's why they're wrapping it up back in. Yeah, uh, I could tell you a few things. So from talking to retailers and, and you could probably confirm or deny this, when they went standalone, um, a lot of these guys were used to dealing with um, the Phillips and King reps who are who are distribution phone arm. Under, uh, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell them. I mean, phone people. That's right. dealing with Phillips and King is dealing with a girl at the other end of the phone. That that's exactly. And then that changed with this. Now you have these other reps coming in, and it was they've had relationships with the P and K reps for so long. That was one thing that happened. Why that that wasn't really a good idea. As far as some of the products go, uh, there's definitely some downscaling going on in there as well. Um, I've heard some of the arts types have already been discontinued. Uh, they're definitely going to streamline some of those to, to less right now. Uh, and there were some other brands that just have gone away under there as well. Um, things that just haven't really pitted out for uh, Ventura either. So, I mean, the whole foundry acquisition, I don't know what the status of this, that is right now. They were just producing one line under Foundry right now, and I don't know what the plans are. What I don't know what the details of that acquisition were. It was kind of a strange thing from the very beginning, I thought, to acquire uh, that. Was, that. Once again, no, not fact here, but that was probably a Giannini uh, uh, decision to try to make that happen. He probably felt connected to it because he feels like, you know, yeah. that was the over in general, so he probably lobbied for that pretty hard. I don't know if the, I don't know what like I, the terms of that transaction were never disclosed. So I don't know if Ventura paid got it for a fire sale. If they got it, they had to pay a king's ransom for it. It wasn't was never really clear what happened with that. Hey, listen, maybe it's a trade. They get Foundry and they give Janini back. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's, 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 I don't. I don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah, no. I mean, I let me tell you, I like Mike. Mike uh, was one of the first guys I started dealing with as media very early on. So I'm always grateful to him. I, I wish him nothing but the best. I'm sorry it didn't work out for him there. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else going on? Uh, there was another uh, burglary that hit South Florida. This one hit Bugatti Group headquarters, and Bugatti is an accessories company. Uh, they're located in the Sunrise area just out of Fort Lauderdale. So um, they had a pretty – their warehouse was hit pretty hard, um, and they said that – the. There were a lot of porch lighters and over 20,000, 27,000 cans of butane pods. What? Uh, stolen, yeah. This was a major uh, theft. Those are, uh, those are the little cans of... Yeah, the little cans. They're the thin They go cans. in their lighters. The yeah. Cans. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 it's the yeah. cartridges? Okay, yeah. Yeah, they're pods, yeah. 
They're, you know, they had regular butane tanks cans stolen as well. But, uh, yeah, so that's an unfortunate thing that happened to those guys. Um, you know, there's a lot of these things we hear in South Florida and that have happened over the years of thefts, you know, and whether it's uh, warehouses or trucks getting heisted. Uh, this happens. It seems to always make a lot of news in the cigar industry for whatever reason. Um, because people, yeah, people always think it's 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 not a real story, you right? Know, but you know, look, that, I mean, that, that's the first that's the first things I heard right. about this. You know, it's an insurance thing, but I just can't believe it's that easy to get away with it, especially with everybody they having surveillance and yeah. video and security. You know, it, it, I, I I already heard the comment like four times. Like, this is insurance play. I just, you know, I just don't know how it easy it really is these days more so than to try to get away with an insurance fraud so i hear you but that's why it makes a lot of news coop because you know that's what everybody their first thought unfortunately typically is yeah it's unfortunate yeah that's that's sad um other things going on on the wrapper binder filler end um the protocol guys have a new cigar coming out at the end of the year it's called the protocol cyber crimes unit oh i thought Uh, it was matrix (laughs) <laughs> is that the original name coop because didn't they weren't they calling it the green p in the beginning i thought um i don't know if that was just a code name or whatever so i don't oh. know if it was the original name of it or not i it's a good question to ask them but i know they were i know they were playing with a green p at one point i had suggested to them they do something like treasury man or t-man or something like that um but they ended up doing cyber crimes because uh protocols partner one of the protocol partners, Kevin Titan, is in the internet security business. So uh, he sells internet security for a living. So so they kind of, you know, they kind of switched the theme to that right now. So that's going to come out at the end of the year right now. It looks like it's going to be a, uh, a classic um, Lazona blend, kind of. It's going to be Nicaraguan Puro with that risotto wrapper. It's something that, that Lazona, I think, it, that's their signature style there right now. And it's going to come in a uh, box press short Churchill. Which is a six and a half by forty-eight size. Again, that's kind of a Lazona size out there. So, I, from what I'm hearing, this is going to happen like towards the very end of the year, right now. All right. Well, that's cool. Anything else going on, Coop? Uh, and just one last thing. Um, Adrian Room Quattro Nicaragua, which was the number one cigar of the year, they have a line extension coming out in a uh, six and a half by fifty-two Figurado, almost like a Perfecto shape, that's coming out there, and that's going to hit the stores in November for Rafael Nodal. Yeah, he was on, uh, I think he was on our Dojo Buddies show last night talking about that. I, like I say, it's, and, and, and I've talked to Rafael a lot, uh, Eric did a really good job. Of, I never heard the whole story of Rafael leaving Cuba, and Eric probably went into the most depth of anyone. Oh, it was on a KMA episode. We had him once talk. KMA yeah, we stuff. talked about it. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay, so it's a second. I, and I'll, I'll be honest, I probably missed that one. But, but I'm um, sure Eric did a really great job as well. Yeah. I mean, he's, it's a, yeah, it's it a was, story, it man. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, Eric, Eric's got a much better producer for his show. He doesn't have one. He's the producer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, is Jordan the producer or just the tech yes, guy? He really is. Well, that's what a producer kind of is, a little bit of a tech guy, too. Yeah. God knows he's not making any content. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say, I'm not the best tech guy, so maybe that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else going on, Cooper? If not, what do you got going on the site this week that our, uh, our fans can look forward to? Um, so, we, you know, right now, that's a, as far as the news goes, that's what's going on. Um, got some reviews coming out this week. Um, 
I'm going to be having the Perdomo ESV Sungrown review coming out um, this week. I should also have a... Um, Actually, we have three shows this week coming up as well. We have Nick Perdomo's coming on actually on Tuesday. Jeez. Oh, nice. Um, we have uh, on Thursday, we have the Protocol guys coming on um, as well. And um, we're doing our music show on Monday, which is we're going to be doing soundtracks and scores. So uh, all three are going oh, on. Um, and I also mentioned uh, a couple of other reviews. AJ Fernandez, uh, DS to Glory is coming up, and the LFD 25th anniversary. All right. Good stuff. Coop, we got to make sure we got to get get you um, a couple of these for you to try because now yeah. you, you haven't smoked this, I right? I don't know where they had a brand. I'm going to be completely and they hadn't. They even said they hadn't marketed much. I'm like, I hadn't heard of this that they were. Yeah, when they, when they when they told me 2012, I almost fell off my chair. I thought like they just That's made That's why this. I didn't feel dead when they said that, and they and they even yeah. admitted they hadn't marketed it. But it's okay. Paul's going to get them back on. Uh, Coop, I'd lo- we'd love to have you on the show because I know you probably had a line of Yeah, I think I've considered it for Adam today, to be honest. But, yeah, there's definitely a lot I would have um, – we, we could talk about certainly to, to talk – because there's a whole history with these guys. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I said, I think considering all the technical problems, the, what we even got out of them was, was very good. And I know next time without the technical problems, we can even do better. Yeah, let, let's get Coop some of these cigars. We'll get him, invite him back on, and we'll continue yeah. with the interview. Really, really, really great guys. Uh, seriously, I mean, yeah, I know yeah. we, we talked to them today a little bit, but there's yeah. there's still so much more, even without the technical issues, that we can talk to them about. I mean, I, I did our test conversation on Tuesday with them and probably was on the phone with Senior for about, I don't know, a half hour just chatting, and then uh, we tested this morning, too. Did you push it out to Facebook? Because that's where you got to mm-hmm. really test it, Paul. Yeah, I did. I did it on smoke in testing. I, I, okay? we'll, we'll talk about it later. I mean, I, right. I think there there might be another issue somewhere in the connect. I don't know. I don't know. But okay. we we tested it. It was the guys are they're they're just really cool, really cool guys. And I, like you said, Abe, it's kind of like meeting the guys behind the curtain, which is like oh yeah, it, it's. It it's something else, and I, I don't think I've seen them anywhere else. I've seen – there are obviously um, articles about them in Aficionado and a couple of oh, others. These guys have dealt with everybody. There's stories in that room in that between those two guys that probably are just mind-blowing. I mean, we so. could even go there at some point. Would It might be cool to, like, visit them. That might them actually and, be easier. Because there's a street ah. also named after their father in, in Ybor City, you know. Yes. Wow, yeah. Which is another – cool thing and it's and i think it's right by where he originally worked where he said he was working as a lion chef i believe it's right by there why don't you work on trying to make that happen yeah we could we, do that we could go go back to back we could do the bocce ball with melanie cisco and then <laughs> go right to the tampa factory well you know what and there's a there's a couple the of other guys we'd like to visit there like i we we never had them on but the tabanero cigar factory there in ybor city that that big that big uh, that big store there. I, those guys are such such nice guys, and it's really a show that has to be done from there, in my opinion. But they're open to it. I mean, I spoke to the owner, and he's he's more than happy to have us when when we're able to, you know, successfully go somewhere again. All right, but, cool. So let's let's get to the same asylum before we go out and uh, see who won the award this week. All right, here we go with the music. Our asylum. Did you know I'm utterly Is it playing? We all go a little mad sometimes. Where logic and right. reason cease to exist. Hold on, I'm not ready for you. 
Go ahead. Okay, brought to you this week by the fine folks of and Asylum Cigars. This week's inductee proves that it doesn't take a genius to be a thief. 22-year-old Nicholas Mark was looking for a job recently in a Pennsylvania pizzeria. As customary, he filled out an application and spoke to the manager. But things get interesting after he filled out his application. Nicholas decided to rob the pizzeria. Yep. Before leaving, Nicholas decided to make off with a tip jar filled with 220 Who leaves $200 tips lying out? That is another another issue, yes. I mean, well, yeah, okay. So he, he fled with a chip jar filled with $220, according to the police, along with his application filled out with all his correct contact information. Yep. Nick left his bag filled with... Nick also left a bag filled with multiple items that had his name on them and syringes and drug paraphernalia, the things that every employer wants you to see have in your bag. Yes. Congratulations, Mr. Mark. You are this week's inductee into the Cigar Insane Asylum. Thank you for everybody joining us this week. We do apologize for technical difficulties. We will have uh, Junior and Senior Oliva back on in the very near future. Coop. Thanks for sitting in, as always, and uh, being no part of the episode. And Paul. we'll do, Coop, when we have you on, when we have them on again, we'll have you on with us for, okay. for your technical questions as well. Because you, obviously, you have a little bit more background than me, for sure. But I think you might even have some more technical background and, and questions for, you know, the Cameroon question was an, was an awesome question. So It was I think the whole a lot thing, our, yeah, and I'm glad Abe brought it up because it was going to lead to a whole segue, yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure you had, had follow-ups to that, so yeah. we'll, we'll have you we'll, on, we'll, man. Are you guys doing anything for Labor Day? I'm, I'm driving um, back to Long Island. That's about it. I'm going to be home. Uh, I'm going to be grilling. I don't know if you guys saw my first, like, infomercial. I did, like, my first boxing on ever. I, I got uh, I saw all this, yeah, meat stuff from Feed the Party, which is... um. Actually, I, I discovered them by a good friend of mine, Randy Bush, but I order meats from them a lot. They have the best pork chops ever. So, But I got some new stuff that I never had before, like their full brisket and uh, this gorgeous. From what I understand, it's supposed to be the best salmon you could buy. So I think I'm going to bust out the grill tomorrow and just grill up a whole bunch of meat. That's what I did last week. I hey. ate the meat yeah. last week, yeah. Um, we're gonna do the, I'm, sm- I'm going to smoke a brisket probably in October. I have an electric grill, which is great, but if it rains, you can't really use it. So i got to have a clear day. Got it. Yeah. All right. Well, to all our fans out there, have a safe weekend. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. And uh, we'll catch you all next week with Lito Gomez. Keep it lit. Keep it lit.